Well, in keeping with the missionary emphasis that Gary has been talking with you about and sharing with you with the videos, I want to continue a missionary message that I began last week. It was entitled Mandate. Well, today's sermon is entitled Mandate Part 2. I'm reading the same text once again, Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I believe in world missions. Jesus gave us this mandate. It is the Great Commission to go into all the world and reach every creature with this wonderful good news that Christ came to save us from our sins. Neighbor, we cannot afford to cease our efforts. Economic hard times cannot stop us, will not stop us, must not stop us. I believe that we must continue, irregardless of the economy, to invest in world missions. Persecution and ridicule will not discourage us. Over the parts of the earth when the church has been persecuted the most, that's the time that Christianity was spread. In fact, even in the New Testament, when the church had to leave Jerusalem and scatter out to the uh, four parts of the earth, they took the gospel with them. They left Jerusalem because of persecution, but they took Jesus and they took the word of God and the church was spread in that day and that hour. The purpose of a world missionary convention that we've been talking to you about, these special meetings that are coming up, is threefold. Number one, we have goals that we set. And these goals are education, inspiration, and dedication. What do we mean, education? Well, with this, we present facts and figures and reports from around the world. We bring missionaries in, and they tell us what is happening. And they show slides or movies or film clips of what is happening in their part of the world, be it Africa or some part of Asia or the Pacific Islands. They show us what is taking place in that part of the world. So this is reporting. This is education as people see what missionary life is all about as they hear firsthand from these missionaries who have returned to itinerate here in the state. Secondly, we believe that a missions convention, a missionary service should be inspirational. It is a time to motivate the people to involve every Christian. So a World Missions Convention must not only be educational, it must be inspirational, not dull, dry, dead people waiting for this to get passed on the calendar so they can move on into uh, Christmas and other exciting events. No, this should be the most exciting time of the entire year. And so then it must be inspirational. And then thirdly, dedication. We want to motivate young people and men and women to dedicate their life to getting this gospel out in these last days. Some young people will be called to the mission field. Maybe some young couples will be called upon to forsake their career and leave everything and go and prepare. We've had people do that, uh, men and women who had children in their family, went to Bible school after they were married and, and in business, gave that up, went to Bible school, got an education, pastored a church for a couple of years, and then went to the mission field. One of the requirements for a new missionary recruit is that he not only have some background of Bible study, but he must have some experience in pastoring a church. For how can you go overseas and manage a church uh, operation and program there if you don't know what it's all about here in the United States? Well, part of the missionary purpose in uh, having a convention and a world missions crusade is to secure what we call 
faith promise commitments. I want to talk to you about a faith promise. We're not asking you for money. We never do that. That is never our objective here. But your church should have participation in missionary activities by all of the people. So I want to encourage you to get involved in your local church in missionary activity. One fine way to do that is by the faith promise commitment form. We pass out these envelopes or, or cards that has a faith promise commitment. And people set a missionary goal for their giving once a month for the coming year. What we will be doing this fall is we will be recruiting faith promise commitments for 1994. These faith promises begin in January and run through December. And we simply ask every family if they would commit their family to give so much to world missions in addition to the Lord's tithe, in addition to building program uh, contributions and other benevolence gifts, but they will give to world missions a designated amount of money. Now, this is a faith goal. It is not an arbitrary pledge. If conditions change, if they lost their job, if there was a drastic change in the economy, they are free to change their commitment. They can up it, or they can delete it completely, or they can scale it down. There is no pressure. No one follows up to see if they pay that commitment. It's between them and God. I keep a record in my office of what the commitment is because oftentimes people forget and they call in and want to know what they pledge for, for world missions. But it's not really a pledge. It is a faith goal. Neighbor, that's a wonderful way. Even if your church does not have the faith promise program, you can do your own. Just say to your wife or your husband, I think we ought to give a certain amount of money to world missions each month. And every month on your church envelope, you designate so much money, not out of your tithing, it's in addition to your, your tithe, and then you designate that special offering to world missions. And you'll have your own faith promise commitment program. And what a blessing to you it will be. You see, it's a faith promise. When you exercise faith in doing this, God is going to step in to make it work. You have opened the door for miracles to take place because missions is at the very heart of God. It's his passion, and Jesus died for this, to get this gospel to every man and woman that they can know they can be saved. And you can be guaranteed God will stand with you in your commitment. If you pray about it and you feel inspired of God, then you can claim the promise of God and he'll supply your need and enable you to keep that faith goal. I believe in accountability when it comes to missions. I don't give to every missionary plea, to everything that I see on television or read in some magazine. I believe in accountability on the part of the donor. I think that we should be sure we're giving through an organization that handles missionary funds with a lot of discretion and a lot of integrity. I believe that there should be a board looking over a man's shoulder to determine how he spends the funds that have been entrusted. We've read it in the newspaper. We've seen it on national news where missions funds have been raised for one purpose and then used to, to do other things with. Well, neighbor, in some missionary organizations, they use up to 90% of what, is, what comes in for overhead and only 10% or less actually goes to the missionary project. They can do that and get by with it as far as the IRS is concerned. Well, I'm glad to report to you that in the Assemblies of God, 2% of the total missionary dollar is kept out for missionary overhead. 98% of it goes to the fund that it was uh, designated for overseas. And in fact, if it was designated 100%, 
all 100% goes. Only with a particular provision allowed. If there's no designation, is there ever anything taken out for overhead? Well, with this, it's easy for people to get next to people's heart and to their emotions and get them feeling good and benevolent. They show pictures of orphanages and feeding programs and mass meetings with hundreds and thousands of people responding. And these film clips may be 10 years, 15 years old, but they still continue to show them to raise missionary dollars. Well, you see, that's not being accountable. That's not using good stewardship. And I believe that you need to check out the organization that you give through. Be sure that it's a reputable organization, that it has financial integrity, and that the funds are actually getting to the mission field. Be sure that you support a bona fide missionary project. Our involvement in Latin America has been of particular interest and a blessing to our church. We have sent construction teams overseas to help build 14 church building projects. And thank God we're going again this November. We're presently selecting a team to go to the Dominican Republic, as we told you last week on the program. Central America has been benefited tremendously by the investment of Assemblies of God World Missionary Outreach. Not just Evangel Temple, but the whole denomination of the Assemblies of God. Let me give you a few statistics. In 1951, there were 149 Assembly of God churches in all of Central America. There were 148 national pastors. There were 7,284 Assembly of God church members with 17 full-time missionaries throughout Central America. In 1982, now this is since 1951 and then up to 1982, there were 6,000 churches, 6,677 churches as opposed to 149. And then there were 4,455 national pastors, 320,066 church members. Now that's up from 7,000, and there were still 17 uh, full-time missionaries from America there in Central America from the Assemblies of God. How could this be? How could this growth be facilitated? By training the national workers. Look at this. We grew from 148 national pastors to 4,455 national pastors up to 1982. By 1992, 10 years later, there were 12,000 churches, 12,227 churches. That doubled in that 10-year period, that decade. There were 13,083 national pastors. That tripled from 1982 to 1992. There were 729,620 church members. That doubled in that decade. There were still only 29 full-time Assemblies of God missionaries in Central America. How could this work? Well, we do it by having Bible schools and training the nationals to reach their own people and pastor the churches that we help build and establish in those lands. We believe in the principle called the indigenous church, that if something happened in that nation, as it has in many parts of the world, and the missionaries are pulled out, they have to leave. The governments will not tolerate them being there anymore. As in China, at the beginning of World War II, our missionaries had to come home. But the church in China doubled and quadrupled quadrupled and continued to grow and at the end of the time when the bamboo curtain came down and we could get back in there we found a phenomenal church growth even in communist China yes this is the principle that enables us to do that the indigenous church principle 
teaching the people to reach their own people and helping them to build their churches and training them to be pastors and church leaders. The Lord of the harvest is calling today, neighbor. We're part of that. And we find in John chapter 4 and verse 35, Jesus said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Neighbor, the fields are white unto harvest now. We must not postpone it for four months, and not at the end of a five-year period. We must be involved in world missions today. Jesus says, do not say that it's going to be yet some protracted time. There must not be a delay. The fields are white, all ready to harvest. The grain is bending low. The storm is approaching. We must go as harvesters. Multitudes, multitudes, multitudes have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. The time is short. The Bible teaches us that a man's lifespan is as the span of a man's hand. It's like a tale that is told like a vapor that appears and then disappears. It's like a post or a messenger who comes swiftly and then he disappears after delivering his message. Our lifespan will soon be over, neighbor. Only what we have done for Jesus Christ will last. We must rush. We must hurry. Children are growing up in this world in heathenism, in prejudice, in witchcraft, and false doctrine, and in the occult. We must get the gospel to them quickly. Jesus is coming soon. I believe the rapture of the church could happen momentarily. I, I'm not predicting any date. I'm not one of the date setters. But I do believe he's coming soon. And it behooves us to get the gospel out as quickly as we possibly can. Well, the reward is great, as we find here in John chapter 4 and verse 36. He that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Neighbor, there's going to be a period of reaping and fruit gathering when the harvest is gathered. And there will be a wonderful period of rejoicing and reward. God will reward every sacrifice. There is sacrifice involved. We can never forget that. We cannot divorce missions from sacrifice. The Bible teaches us that Jesus gave one prayer request when he was on this earth. I've searched the Bible, and I find that he asked us to pray about one thing. It's found in Matthew chapter 9. Verses 37 and 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Oh, neighbor, Jesus requested prayer. He raised his hand. He said, Please remember this in prayer. He wrote out his prayer card, and this is it. Pray the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers, because the harvest is plenteous. And the laborers of few. Who are the laborers? They're the prayer warriors. They're those who witness, give out tracts, teach Sunday school. They're the soul winners, the preachers, the evangelists, the pastors, the missionaries, the professional and career people who de dedicate and donate part of their time to missionary enterprises. Yes, these are the laborers. These are the harvesters that Christ is sending out in these last days. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I've chosen you, and I've ordained you, and I send you out. Neighbor, we have an ordination. We have a selected mission that Christ has mandated for us. The title of my message last week and this week is Mandate. It's the mandate. It's the Great Commission. There's no other option. Friends, Christ didn't leave us with some elective to choose. This is what he ordered us to be about. 
if, if we as Christians are not helping to spread the gospel, we are failing in fulfilling the Great Commission. I want this church to be involved. I want you to be involved as an individual Christian believer. God bless you, and thank you for being part of this service today.